Welcome to the Monsters and Treasure podcast, where we talk way too long about a topic, but only give you the best parts. I'm K.R. King of D&D Homebrew, here as always with Daniel of Bandit's Keep. Hello, Daniel. Hey, K.R., uh, I'm not up to anything. Why would you think that? Because I know you can't be trusted. So, K.R., the other day on the Discord server, somebody had kind of, somebody was talking about starting a campaign, and one of the other members kind of questioned, well, is it going to be more of like a, a Bronstein-style game or a mud game? And then there was some questions like, what exactly is that? And he kind of defined them, and I'm just going off the top of my head here, uh, this is not an exact quote, but Bronstein being the game started by Dave Wesley, which kind of inspired Dave Artisan, blah, blah, blah. And, and that kind of game is more political-based. Each character has their own motivations, sometimes secrets from each other. It's kind of playing against each other. It doesn't have to be like fighting, but you have you might have disparate goals. Like you might be a spy for the other side working with other players. So, so you have this PvP thing versus a group of players or uh, PCs as it would be with a bunch of, you know, backpacks and swords that go diving into dungeons and just like fight orcs and take treasure and pull them out, you know, and, and these are like two far extremes of how we can play a role-playing game is kind of what was presented when you're starting a campaign. And I think that those are two pretty far extremes. And I think a lot of people play in the middle, but I was curious uh, what you thought about this. Well, and I don't know that much. I mean, I've you know, read a little bit online about this and uh, obviously this is from the origins of D and D right. Dave Arneson played in this thing and, started at Napoleonic games and then, and the people started, I think kind of spontaneously to play their character. You know, the Napoleonic generals were very flamboyant characters in and of themselves. Noblemen that raised these companies and, you know, they had sort of mercenaries and different aspects, which I think, again, I don't know, but I think that's what kind of gave the idea of role playing these, these leaders, right? Cause they were, and we knew about them. And so your leader became, and they also competed against one each other for honor on the battlefield and all that kind of stuff. So I could see where this would play in. Suddenly you've broken away from just these figures on a, on a terrain thing, uh, set up and you're playing them against each other. Cause oftentimes even on the same side, they were. And then what I understand is Arneson wanted to go do, do this kind of concept, but medieval, right? Well, he wanted to do the Tolkien fantasy and I'm sorry, not medieval, the fantasy aspect of it, right? That's where he kind of started doing that the player versus player thing i'm always a little, a little hesitant because when you start players get mad at each other yeah. you're not it's not an npc you're mad at or even the gm it's another person sitting at the table right. so that i would be like hmm, i don't know about but certainly playing politics and playing the idea that you are an adventurer competing with other adventurers because i like that in terms of npcs i always try to have a group of npcs who become kind of a nemesis group with the players there's sort of your, there's a friendly, not nemesis, like we're, I'm trying to kill you, but we're, we're competing with one another, exploring the world. And I think that can be really fun as opposed to just dungeon crawl. Yeah. I think that's super interesting. And it's funny how you say that. Cause in my games, that often is the way it works out. Like there, there's NPCs that are, let's say uh, at, well, I don't want to say they're, they're, they have exact opposite goals. Sometimes they have the same goals as the PCs. They're not somebody that you just face across the room with your crossbow and shoot them, but they're a town mayor or a guild master or something. And the, and the PCs end up working with them and sometimes against them. <laughs> and it's even, it's a friendly rivalry. It's kind of like the, uh, well, I don't know how friendly this was, but if you think about the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark, right, where like, spoilers for Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones comes out with the, the treasure, right? And then the guy's there, he points a gun at him, whatever, or however, I can't remember what, maybe he had some of the, the locals. But anyways, they basically take the treasure from Indiana Jones and he has to run and leave and he lost the treasure because of that. And the, you could see in that scene that these two people were clearly rivals. They both were trying to get these treasures, uh, but in this case, that that guy got the, the heads up on him, right? And ambushed him. 
So the idea of like NPCs doing that where they're not going to be mad at another player, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I wonder if that comes down to right, like a kind of like a play culture of the tables, right? If you're looking at people who are coming from war games who are used to playing against each other, when they sit down to play D&D and it's just one team, maybe that's a little bit odd for them. But us who, those of us who came into D&D with the idea of your team, right? It, it, the play, player versus player is weird to us, uh, me, and us being people like me. Like, I never played war games. Well, and it's funny, too, think of Indiana Jones. Not only does he take that item, but then he sends the natives against him. So it's sort of like, right. thank you for the stone, and now you're going to be killed, right? Whereas <laughs> Indiana Jones, might he might steal it from someone, especially if he put all this work into it, but he wouldn't send Indian natives to kill the other guy, right? And that immediately sets up that moral difference. And, of course, the guy said German in the 30s and, you know, on and on. Right. And and that is something in D&D where you have you know, the player characters operating under a certain alignment as, it you know, in terms of <laughs> Indiana Jones, what is his alignment right. if we went there? And certainly the German guy's alignment is like, I don't know, neutral Jerk. evil, <laughs> whatever that is. So the other thing, I think you're right. In terms of there's a distancing with wargaming and saying, okay, we're going to play against each other. But I think that works much better for me. And I think this is what was happening back then, but I don't really know, as a one-shot kind of thing. We're going to play this game. Maybe maybe it's a one-shot that's stretched out over a long period of time, but it isn't a role-playing game in the sense we have today, where your character's going all these levels and you're working with a group of other players, and you have to cooperate. Because if you have PvP in the campaign setting, I just feel like it's hard, even though you're like, hey, we're just playing this game, and I'm opposed to you. And so that's why I killed you and took the treasure. It's like, well, my new character has one goal in life, and that's to kill you. You know. So Well, it's funny you say that. Because very specifically, I think it's in Mulvey Basic. It might be an expert, but I'm pretty sure it's in Mulvey Basic. They point out the idea that as a DM, that you have to make sure that players don't hold grudges, and that one player... A character who dies, you know, played by the same player, their new player character can't just suddenly be mad at the person that killed them and go after them because that's not the same person, right? It's a new character and they don't know, uh, they don't have that connection. So it's funny that it's in, it's literally in the book, right? So you wonder if that was more of a thing and why would they write it if it wasn't something that came up at tables? I, I just, said, just thought of that when you said that. <laughs> You're exactly right, because your new character wouldn't have any sense of that. Unless, of course, you said, my new character is my old character's brother. So, but but, but let's right. just say that you have this new character that has no connection, but you're playing player versus player. So the player learns, I can't trust this person. I'm going to either watch them or I'm going to kill them. I'm going to get back at them somehow as a player because you're playing a game in which you're against each other, right? right. This is why I feel like it's not... Maybe it's workable if you're, if as I say, especially when you go into a campaign setting week after week after week or every two weeks or whatever, where we're all together and we're trying to do this thing as opposed to just a one shot, Well, everyone's I mean, out for themselves. And I guess what I, so if you think about like in, in the OSR sphere, uh, there's a very popular, I think it was a blog that we first talked about it, but there's a very popular thing called West Marches and it's based on a, somebody's campaign called West Marches. Which has the idea that everybody's playing multiple characters and that you are effectively not like taking on the role of one character for the whole campaign. You've got four or five characters. They might be friends. They might not be friends. They might be in different parties. They might go out with one group of adventurers one week. They might go out with a different group the next week. And that's much different than, let's say, how the typical adventure is structured in an adventure path where it's like, here's a group of heroes at a first level and they're going to get to 20th level and kill the Lich King. And you know that the day you sit down, right? 
like or whatever. I mean, maybe not in a more open world, but the idea is that this is a group of people that are in theory going to run the whole thing together. They're always going to be the same players and player characters. If you're running multiple characters across multiple groups, you will almost certainly be in conflict, maybe even with your other characters. And, you know, did people play like that? Who knows? I mean, back in the 70s or whatever, when when this stuff was first came out. But I'm curious, like, how that would play out long term, because I think you're right. I think that you would probably get a grudge if, like, I'm always like, oh, Kara's got a new character. Let me pickpocket them. (laughs) You might get pissed off at me, and that might be uh, a problem. And maybe that's why we moved away from it. I don't, you know, it's interesting because I've certainly read about the West March concept. I always felt like it was something where it was kind of designed for, so people, you didn't have to be a strict schedule of being there every week. Right. Uh, you could, you could come in and come out and it was really uh, adaptable to that kind of schedule. And I think, did it start online or was it at first a live tabletop where you just showed up at, let's say, a because how would you do that? It'd have to be at a game store or some neutral site. Well, well my understanding is that uh, – this is all about West Buster's is that basically the way it was set up was on some kind of a forum, and the GM would put out various uh, adventure hooks, and then if your character was interested in it, they would actually – the player would go, my thief wants to go search for the this blue gem. Who wants to come with me? I'm going to do it on next Friday. And then a bunch of players would say – I want to do it. I want to do it. And then they'd go to the GM and go, we want to play next Friday. We're going after the blue gem. Like that's basically how they did it. So am I, and again, if you were a magic user, let's say you want to study a spell, you would maybe take two or three weeks off. So you'd have a different character. You'd be like, well, my fighter is going to go adventure this week because my magic user is taking a break. And this is actually how, again, in theory, how Gygax played based on stories, because we know that like people did actually do things like have rivals like with each other and very, you know, famously Rob Kuntz, I mentioned this a lot because I think it's the coolest thing ever. He would actually go into the dungeon by himself, find things, then go back and hire NPCs to ask other player characters to do certain things for them, like hire them to go kill the troll. So his character could go down there and steal the treasure. Like he, he that's PvP, right? And that's that seems like it comes from this more Bronstein-like style, right? Like I wouldn't, I don't think any of my players would do that in the current game I'm running because that would be weird. But in this almost PvP, I want to win at D&D style, it's it's very interesting. And I don't think it's played as much. That's why I think it's, it's curious. The other element that I've noticed, and this was really striking for me coming out uh, back, not playing for a while and coming into the 5e culture and then meeting people that were playing that I suspect only know 5e, only know the critical role kind of games they have saw on YouTube. So there's a whole esprit de corps kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, or and then there's not too because I played online and people come in that have played and I don't know how to pronounce like Scrim or Skyrim or these you know these uh, Skyrim uh, yep, Scrim a, where they're just game. coming into a room and trying to steal everything and and right. they're just you know they're playing like a video game so you have those two mm-hmm. opposing camps right whereas the thing about the the what I think about in terms of the Political game to us, a political game, D&D game, was where you went into a city-state or something and there were mm-hmm. factions and you did a lot of role play or I guess they call it social interaction. And you you know, you know, did things in that way, not going into a dungeon and killing monsters, right? right? That was your social. And that could be a really great break from from what you, you know, just dungeon crawling. And it made the world seem more real because dungeon crawling always has an artificiality to it. This was sort of more real. But eventually, you always had the itch to go back and fight things, right? And and also in medieval times, or even today, but well, today much more so. We live in a time period. But for thousands of years, things were ultimately settled by war, 
right? Mm -hmm. People settled things by fighting. They didn't really say they had treaties and they did this and that, but all they were just constantly at war. If you look at the history of Europe or you look at the history of Japan or China or whatever, where there was warfare and people usurping emperors and raising armies and fighting one another. They didn't have necessarily conferences and treaties and this kind of thing. So then war is kind of this logical outcome or whatever, right? Politics by other means. And so the, even though you might have this, this negotiations and stuff going on, eventually you're going to fight each other kind of thing. Right. No, and I, and I think so ultimately, I mean, to me, the, the best, best, right, for my personal style campaign kind of involves all of this. Like when somebody says, is it this style or this style? It's really both to me. I think that early on the characters are probably just adventurers just trying to get some gold. Like they're, they're, they don't, they don't have anything. They have no stake in the world, right? They've come to the borderlands. They are trying to make a name for themselves. And the best way to do that is to dig into the dungeons, get some treasure, slay some monsters. But then as they become higher level and they become more established in the world, they do start to get the more, the, the politicking. And I don't think that at that point, because they've, they've created this, this group together, that they would necessarily start breaking off into their own factions, right? So the group tends to stay together and we get what you talked about at the beginning, the NPCs become the rival groups or the rival armies, ultimately, if, if that's a thing. And, and I like that. I think it works out well to kind of do both. I, I don't know that I'd enjoy a game where you just plop down and just do politics the whole time. I think that might be tricky. I don't know if I'd like running that game. I might like playing it, <laughs> uh, but I, I feel like that's a lot to handle. I was actually at GaryCon, as you were, and I was invited into a Bronstein game, but I was literally about to go run my game. But later I came out to get a coffee while, while the players were taking a break. And I saw that, and I've heard people talk about this, where the, the I don't know if they call it, we'll call it GM, so I'm not sure what they call it, uh, actually had some of the players like outside. You take them out of the game to like discuss stuff privately. And I think it's really interesting how that would work. Like this idea of like, you have all these secrets and you're trying to keep them from everybody else, but at the same time, you've got to convince them to work with you. So it's it's just very interesting. Well, and and again, my, you know, we've talked about this about, uh, I, I don't know if we've talked about this podcast, maybe it was a topic, because yeah. I do take players sometimes aside when they have some thing has given them some information or if they're under some control or whatever, leave the room, tell them what's going on, come back, try to do it as quickly as possible. But and they'll bring, I say, bring, and then now they know the players, like my new group is like, should I bring dice? Because they know I'm going to, might have them roll some stuff. Right. Because I do have that kind of politics within. But I think what you were talking about back to the original thing was gameplay evolves from those first few levels. Right. One, you don't have any renown. Nobody knows who you are. You're just trying to kill them. And then as you get better and you have some renown and people start to say, hey, they, they know who you are, just like in any business or trade or whatever, as you become well known. But then you get into the politics of life, right, about larger concerns, you know, whether it's, a, you know, the thieves guild or the merchants guild or whatever, the wizards, whatever, however you run your world. And you become part of that. And it's natural to evolve that way. And then the other thing is the party evolves into a their own little concern, their own little guild of adventurers, because they've right. run with each other. So I don't think they're going to stab each other in the back because they've run all this time. It just doesn't make sense unless they got mad about something. So I think there's a natural evolution of the game. But still, as we, maybe we ended here on this, we would get up to those high levels where in the book it said, now you're ready to start your castle. We were always like, we don't want to have a castle. We want to go kill monsters. You know, we, we, we'll play a little my kingdom, your kingdom, our domain. But ultimately, we always just like to have those battles, right? That... The, you know, the wandering samurai guy never, if he settles down, then he just becomes, or like Conan, sitting in his chair all bummed because he's some king, and he, he always throws it aside and moves on to something else because 
that's not interesting or it's not fun to play necessarily. Right. I think it's a different game at that point. And you could certainly do that and, and start switch over to play war games and just take your characters and build armies that way. And I think on some level that was the idea. I don't think people really did that much or at all from what, you know, just some talking to people that played through those periods. Weirdly, I'm doing that. So it, it, we'll see where that goes. Uh, but yeah, that's a great place to be. We'll talk about that as I do more of it. And we'll see as my group evolves and they're seeing large armies of enemies that they cannot fight just by walking up to them. And they're going to have to recruit soldiers if they want to do the things they want to do. And I think it comes down to, and maybe this is a total podcast, so we will leave it here for me. It comes down to a different kind of play. You know, it, what you present the players, right? Do you present them with a dragon or do you present them with a thousand orcs? They might, the total hit points might be the same, but it's a much different fight. Definitely. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear your voice on the show, give us a call. There's a link in the show notes. You can find us both on YouTube, KR at D&D Homebrew, and myself at Bandit's Keep. Those are all linked in the show notes. And if you'd like to support the show, please give us a rating and a review on your favorite podcatcher. We'll see you next week.